This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I am a cat lover, and of course, I am owned by a cat called Scamper. Today is really fun because I have another cat lover here with me, author Gwen Cooper, who is a New York Times bestselling author who is clearly a cat lover and writes about cats. So we're going to talk about all things cats and all things Gwen right after these messages. We'll be right back. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I have with me Gwen Cooper. Hi, Gwen. Hello, Dr. Cat. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, so I'm really excited to talk to you because I love your stories and I feel like I know your cats. And so I want to find <laughs> out more about them. So so let's talk about your book, My Life in a Cat House, and how it sort of came about. Um, well, it was actually born out of a monthly subscription series that I have called Curl Up at a Cat Tail. And it pretty much uh, works the way it sounds. You you sign up, you pay a one-time uh, annual subscription fee, and then you get a new 20 to 30 page story, uh, cat story from me every month. And the stories are, are true. They are true stories about my cumulative five cats that I have lived with over the last 20 years. And, and so, uh, I'm sorry, My Life in a Cat House is, um, is a collection. It's, I like to say it's a memoir and stories. It is a collection of six of those stories plus two new and original ones that were not released as part of the monthly series. And uh, yeah, just, you know, the foibles, the wackiness, the heart-rending, heart-touching moments that a life with cats entails. Absolutely. And put through your fun and entertaining lens. So how did you come to be a cat lover? Well, you know, I actually grew up with dogs. Uh, My family was always very much involved in rescue and we always had dogs. And I sort of assumed when I moved out and got my own place after college that I would have a dog too. But as things turned out, you know, I was young. I was living in a very small apartment. I was working very long hours. And it did not seem like a conducive, like a good environment for a dog. I didn't have the time or space or attention that a dog needs. And, but I couldn't imagine, 
not living with an animal, which is, you know, how I would say that's how you know an, an animal lover. It's, you know, there are people who like animals, but people who have to live with animals are, are the, the animal lovers. And so I had a friend who, whose uh, mechanic found a litter of kittens who needed homes, and I offered to take one of them, and that was my first cat, Scarlet. And, and the rest is history. You know, I, I fell in love with Scarlet, and two more cats followed over the next couple of years. And, and like I said, it's been five altogether. And uh, now I really could not imagine not living with cats. No, me either. So this may be a really specific question, but how did you come up with the interesting titles of your stories, like the Picasso of P? That really drew me in as a veterinarian because I wanted to hear (laughs) about art with P, and it's great. How did you come up with those? So the Picasso P is a story about my cat Vashti, who, you know, did have some issues with going outside the litter box, although in her case, there were very specific uh, things she was trying to convey with the timing and location of, of where and how she would pee. And, you know, it's funny because that was actually the one title. You know, most of the other titles came to me very quickly and I never considered any alternative. And I remember for that story, there were so many titles that I went through. And I actually I have a, a large, uh, or, or I should say my cats have a large following on social media. And so I kind of test marketed a lot of them. I, I think at one point I was considering I Am Curious Yellow. I was also considering Love and Other Indoor Water Sports. Just a lot of, uh, you know, sort of trying to get at it without being too specific. But I kept coming back to this idea that Bashi was so expressive with her urine that, that for her really was a form of creative expression. It was a kind of, of, of art form with her. And so that, that finally, uh, the Picasso of P just kind of popped into my head and really clicked. Well, I love it. I loved it. It drew me in. And the story was really entertaining. And I think that anyone that lives with a cat will feel kind of drawn in by it because cats, cats are just cats. And you describe it so well. You mentioned that your cats have a significant following on social media, which kind of brings me to your thought of what it is like to be a stage mom to famous cats. Can you go into that a little bit more for my listeners? Yeah. So I should first say, so my cat who really became famous and and created the social media following was my cat, Homer. Uh, I wrote a memoir about him called Homer's Odyssey. A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat. And that book was huge, and it was translated into a ton of languages and and made its way around the world. And so people came, you know, as a writer, you start social media pages for your books. And um, in this case, I started the pages for Homer. What was interesting was at the time that it started, there really, I mean, this was years before Grumpy Cat or Lil Bub or any of the other, you know, sort of internet famous pets who've come up over the last few years. And so it, it was at the time a really kind of unique thing to have a cat who's famous on the internet and to just have, you know, tons of, of reporters and photographers and journalists who wanted to meet him and photograph him. And, you know, when you write a book, you expect that people, you hope that people will want to talk to you. I shouldn't even say expect, you hope that people will want to talk to you about your book. What I was really not prepared for was to kind of become the entourage for my cat, which I really very much was. You know, I was one who kept his appointments and 
kept an eye on him and made sure his mood was good and that he had the things that he needed to be in a good mood during a photo shoot or a video shoot or during an interview, snapping pictures of him constantly, you know, pictures at home that, you know, some of which we could share on social media. It is an odd thing. It still strikes me as kind of an odd thing, although now there are more other people who could speak to it as well as I can. But yeah, you know, I never envisioned, even when I, as I was writing the book, I never envisioned myself as, as being my cat's you know, manager or stage mom someday. And it still strikes me as kind of an odd thing, you know, that there are people who know so much about the cats specifically. Um, and the cat doesn't care. Something about me. And the cat doesn't care. <laughs> the about cat celebrity. does not know and does not care. Uh, I mean, that really is the interesting thing. You know, I would look at Homer sometimes and we'd just be hanging out at home and I would think about these literally hundreds of thousands of people who followed us online and who were so invested in Homer's day-to-day life. And from Homer's perspective, especially once the first round of, you know, people coming, journalists coming to our home sort of, you know, abated as, as the book sort of was out there already after that first initial publicity spurt, it made no difference in his life at all, except that he, you know, people would send him gifts. And so he, he got a little, uh, a little spoiled the, the last few years, you know, he would be getting like little catnip toys and things in the mail every day. And I don't know if he ever wondered, you know, why he was suddenly getting so many presents or where they were coming from. But, um, but yeah, it was uh, interesting stuff. You know, it's funny. I talk about my cat Scamper a lot on this show. And it really is kind of startling when people come to me and ask about Scamper. And they all pay attention and I get emails about Scamper. So on a much less scale, I see what you mean. It's, it's fun because Scamper's oblivious. Well, Scampers is a great name, by the way. And and it is fun. You know, again, I, and I would imagine that doing what you do, you know, doing a podcast is very much like being a writer in the sense that it is ultimately something that you do in a very small and enclosed environment. You know, when I write, I'm writing at home alone. And you, of course, are consciously aware that you're doing what you're doing for an audience that, that will hopefully someday engage with the material that you're creating. But by the same token, it also always feels a little odd that that's something you just did by yourself, you know, or, or in your case with a producer is now out there and being consumed by so many people. And you have to like, oh, yeah, that's why I did it in the first place. And it's always, uh, always a little odd. I find. You totally get it. I mean, you know, my producer will tell me how many people downloaded the podcast and I'm like, whoa, really? <laughs> I thought it was just my mom. <laughs> well, um, exactly. I, I want to talk, talk a little bit more about the emotions. You said, you know, you're by yourself when you write and I want to delve into that a little bit more, but I want to take a quick break. So let's hear a word from our sponsors and come right back. Hi, this is Dr. Katherine Prim, and I would like to make you aware of some products that I've discovered, Dr. Elsie's Pet Products. So you all know that I have a cat named Scamper, and Scamper is a little bit sensitive, so I have to choose sort of special stuff for Scamper. Dr. Elsie's Ultra Litter has been kind of a godsend for us. It's made with clean ingredients, and it's low on dust, so it sort of addresses the needs that Scamper personally has. You can feel really good about choosing Dr. Elsie's pet products because they're veterinarian formulated and they're tested. So they combine science and the love for pets to meet the needs of even the most sensitive pets like my Scamper. 
Here's the really good news. You can get a rebate. Dr. Elsie's will pay you up to $20 for your first bag of Ultra Litter or any Dr. Elsie's litter by visiting drelsies.com forward slash Dr. Cat. That's D-R-E-L-S-E-Y-S dot com forward slash Dr. Cat, which is D-R-K-A-T. So check it out. Give it a try and get up to $20 back. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. So we're having fun talking with author Gwen Cooper about her cats and about her writing. And there is so much more to cover with you, Gwen. I have some questions that I really, um, I also have a book. So I kind of know about revisions and publishers and that kind of stuff. So here's, here's my question for you. How did writing these stories make you feel? Like which of the stories was the most memorable? Did you dredge up memories that you hadn't really thought about when you really looked at these cats and their stories? Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I can't speak to anybody else's process, but I know that for me, I actually have to be feeling what I'm writing about at the time that I'm writing about it, or it just doesn't ring true. And and I would imagine that's the same probably for any writer. And and especially, you know, you you really get into this zone where you are living deep, you are reliving, deeply reliving a memory of something. And the ability to pull that up vividly, I think, is what allows you to write about it. And so it's, you know, writing about my cats is always a very emotional experience. And, and again, writing about, you know, the five cats who I've had over the last 20 years, three of whom are no longer with me. And I do not have, you know, really any like, like sad death scenes in the book. And, and it's not something that I want to bring readers through. But certainly, I, you know, especially in the Picasso of P, I mean, the story ends with, you know, the, the, it's, it's kind of Vashti's whole life story. And I find that in writing about, you know, our, our last night together, it, I felt it as vividly as I felt it at the time. Although, you know, the, the other side is that the things that make me laugh and, and the things that make me happy and, and the, the joyful stories also come back equally vividly. So it, it's in a way, it's almost like getting to travel in a time machine, you know, and, um, and getting to relive some of the, the great moments that I have enjoyed with my cats over the years. And I feel very lucky to be able to do that. I agree. I love it. Do you have a favorite story from my life in a cat house? You know, I will say that I'm probably partial to the first one, I Choo Choo Choose You, because that that first story is about my first cat, and it is about the process, not just of falling in love with my first cat, but of really learning the difference (laughs) between cats and dogs as a newbie. Although I will say that the story that readers seem to love the most that I consistently hear, you know, I love the book, and my favorite story was, it would be a cat carrier tango which is a story of me trying to get all three of my cats to the vet at the same time in Manhattan through a series of transportation and weather and logistical mishaps. It's kind of, you know, like like a, a long, bad day story, <laughs> although funny in the retelling, but just trudging through the streets of Manhattan with three in the rain with three very cranky cats in tow on buses and cabs and on foot 
And that really seems to be the story that the readers seem to like the most. I, I've gotten a, a lot of feedback on, you know, that story was hilarious. I'm like, well, you didn't have to live through it. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's well, cat lovers favorite. all respect the cat carrier struggle. And so that's like one of my missions as a veterinarian to make sure that cats get to my office in a good mood and, and that they love their carrier. So, yeah, I think that that story really resonates. So I have I have another thought for you. And when I was yes. reading it, and one of the things that I love the best are the cats' names. They are noble and literary and historical and mythological. And then there's <laughs> Fanny. So- yes. All right. So-, so so here's the deal. So Scarlett came to me with the name Scarlett because she kept fainting. The person who found her said she kept fainting. So he named her Scarlett. Vashti, I, I named for the beautiful Persian queen Vashti. Homer, who is blind, I named for the blind Greek poet. Clayton is my tripod, and he was named for a famous one-legged tap dancer called Clayton Pegleg Bates. Uh, my husband actually found that one. Fanny is actually kind of a family name, and maybe it's a Jewish thing, but if you are Jewish, and if you're especially if you're Jewish and American, chances are you have an Aunt Fanny somewhere in the family tree. I had a great Aunt Fanny. My husband had a great Aunt Fanny. It seems to be, you know, sort of an old-fashioned name, and I just thought it was a very, uh, a very sweet name. And especially when Fanny came to us, she she was a a shy and sweet little girl who kind of let her, you know, Fanny and Clayton are a bonded pair; they're little mates, and she she let her, you know, big brother do kind of all the talking for them at first. And so I just thought it was this uh, sweet old-fashioned name for a a sweet old-fashioned kitty who was a little shy and. I've been made aware by my British readership that it has different connotations in the UK than it does here. So uh, if there's no real literary background, it's, it's I guess, more of a family name would, would be the answer to that question. Well, I love it because I like to name my pets exotic and wonderful names. And then my family's like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, I've, got, I've floated some names that have gotten negative feedback from others over the years. So, uh, yeah. Well, so I think that another thing that resonates with with your readers and hopefully with my listeners when they read it is that you capture the fun and the joy of getting a cat. So, you know, I love how you described getting your first cat that you went and you bought all these toys and you like listed out all the toys and the different mice and different sizes. Everybody that has a cat totally gets that because that's the fun part. I love that you wrote about that. Yeah, you know, I always say that I legitimately do not even know what the point of adopting an animal, and especially a rescue animal, even is, if not in large part to give yourself the pleasure of spoiling them rotten. Although, again, you know, it's interesting, like Clayton and Fanny, my cats, now they love toys. They love toys. It it is absolutely their favorite thing. But my first three cats were not into toys at all. You know, they were the classic. They liked the bags that the toys came in much more than they liked the toys themselves. So, yeah, when I adopted Scarlett, I, I went out the night before she was coming and I got just this huge, ridiculous array of cat toys and she could not have been less interested in them. So, you know, Scarlett and I did not get off to the most auspicious start, but, uh, but we did come together eventually. But yeah, you know, there was one toy and there's actually a story about the one toy that sort of clicked with my, all three of my first cats, um, this little stuffed worm that they all three loved. But yeah, you know, so you find other ways to spoil them and certainly it was easy enough to find bags for them to play with if, if that's what they were into. But they're so individual. 
and they like, yes. I and mean, that's the cool thing about cats. Each one is such an individual. And I think that you kind of touched on that with each of your stories. So which story in this book was the hardest to pull together the way you wanted it? I would again, probably come back to the Picasso of P only because that story, you know, the other stories will, are kind of a slice of life. And the Picasso of P really is, you know, within the span of, let's say, you know, 30, 35 pages is the complete life story of Vashti. I mean, obviously not every detail is in there. It's 35 pages. But, but that was really a matter of kind of sifting through everything. And, and it was also, again, sort of told through, uh, through the prism of her pee, <laughs> you know, specifically touching on the moments along the way where she peed in a very specific and communicative way outside of the litter box. And, and so that one, I, I really, you know, that's where, you know, the expression, you know, writing with both ends of the pencil really came into play. You know, you write, you use the point to write with, and then you use the eraser to delete things. And I write on a computer, so that is figurative, but it was very much the same thing. It was a lot of writing and then a lot of unwriting. And so that one, I think probably because it, you know, was trying to be broad in scope, but also very specific in, in terms of how I was looking at Vashti's life. There was a lot that I put in that I took out. And then the things that I did put in, it was a question of, well, in what order should I present, you know, this information so that the story feels like a story and not just a recitation of, of facts or, or little anecdotes. And so that one, that was a really, that story was a big undertaking, actually. Well, you talk about how intelligent she was and that yes. she could put together, that she could see a piece of paper and recognize that it could be made into something for her entertainment. And that was fascinating. But I think she and she was using you as a tool. I think it goes one step further. I think she was, <laughs> she was using you as a tool for her entertainment. What, do you agree? Oh, no. Vashti was, I mean, so Vashti, and, and you have to understand, you know, when I found Vashti, she was this pathetic draggled, scraggly little thing who grew up into just the most beautiful cat. She was a stunningly gorgeous cat. I mean, really the most beautiful cat I've ever seen or that most of the people who'd ever seen her had ever seen. And she was also brilliant. I mean, really, without question, I, I would say the smartest animal. And I include the, the dogs I grew up with and that my parents have in that she was just a really smart. Um, she was really capable of abstract thought. And I absolutely know that she certainly did <laughs> manipulate. I mean, all, you know, all animals will manipulate you to some extent. And, you know, if I do this, they'll feed me kind of thing. Vashti had had a lot of insight into how people work and how to get them and, and me in particular to do the things she wanted them us to do. Yeah, she was a one of a kind for sure. Well, you know, there are people, maybe not animal lovers, but people that say that we anthropomorphize animals, that they're not really, really thinking these things. But but your story convinces me that she was thinking these thoughts and doing these things. And when I look at my cat, I believe. So it's very skillfully woven. I, I enjoyed it. And I thank you for writing it. And I want to give you the opportunity to tell my listeners how they can find out more or get more Gwen Cooper out there. So how can they find you? Sure. My website is GwenCooper.com and that's G-W-E-N-C-O-O-P-E-R.com. And there you can find, you know, all of my books and find out where and how to get them, how to follow us on social media. You can learn more about the monthly subscription series, Curl Up with a Cattail. And, uh, you know, of course, my blog and, and some more about our day-to-day goings-on. And, and that is probably, I guess, the best hub for all things Gwen Cooper and Gwen Cooper's cats related. 
Excellent. And you do donate a portion of your proceeds, I think, to cat-related charities. Is that is that true? Yes. I donate 10% of all my earnings to organizations that serve abused, abandoned, and disabled animals. And that was something I really started with Homer's Odyssey, you know, because Homer was blind and and the rescue community really embraced him and his story because especially these animals do face such a difficult road to adoption. And and it's something that I've continued. It's, uh, you know, there are just so many amazing organizations doing important and, and difficult work, and it is a joy to be able to support them. Well, this is a really, really fun book, and anyone that loves cats will certainly love it. So I want all my listeners to run out and get My Life in a Cat House by Gwen Cooper. I would like to thank you for joining me today and taking the time out of your busy schedule to show us what's in your book and and intrigue us about this book. So thank you so much. Thank you so much again. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Of course, I want to thank my producer, Mark Winter, for making us amazing and keeping us feline fine. And I want all of my listeners to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.